Okay, we're continuing our Dam Buster series, and uh, I've got it in my pocket. There we go. Let's see if we... There we go. And it's this concept, this idea of streams of living water will, throw, will flow through you as the truth of what Jesus says to us impacts our lives and he just starts to spill out. And that's where we want to go, right? That's what we want to do. That's what we want our life's experience to be. That's what we want others to encounter when they meet with us. Last week, we had um, Amanda um, with us, and she shared profound stories of her own family's journey with God through real difficult times, really difficult times. And I encourage you to go on our webpage and, and look at that message again and just chew over some of the depth and the richness that's in there. And while she was speaking, I got this picture. It's a really exciting picture, okay? And it's not literally this one. I didn't render it from the image I believe God gave me. But he gave me a sense that some of us have got like a chest of drawers with our stuff in. And actually, it's quite easy to access. You can just go over to the sideboard. There's no problem. You just open the drawer and go, yeah, I've got this. I've got that. I recognize it. I understand it. And actually, I need to just unpack that and I need to get rid of it. Who's got a drawer full of toot at home? I've got too many. I mean, wowzers. It's like cables and adapters and bits. And you think, really? What on earth? Just in case, right? But we do that with our stuff. We hold on to things in our hearts just in case. Just in case I encounter that difficult situation again. I've got to remember that's what it felt like last time. So I'm going to keep it in the drawer just in case. And I encourage you just to, if, you, if that's you and you can think, do you know what, I'll, I can just open the drawer. I know my stuff. It's reasonably easy to access. Then do that. And walk through some of the things Amanda talked about. The other picture I had was of a safe. And stuff's happened to you. And actually you've put it away in a really safe place. And you've forgotten the code. In fact, you don't want to know the code. Because it's just too darn hard to go there, right? And I believe God wants to unpack stuff for you. And I believe he knows the code to your heart. And he'll bring freedom and he will bring release. And we just have to allow him to start touching the dial and create context. So if you feel that actually those two pictures for you, the, 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 the safe is the more real one then can I be encouraging you to pursue God in that journey? Don't leave it because it's uncomfortable or difficult. Pursue him in the journey. And I know many are doing that. But he doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to bring breakthrough. If you'd like help with that, contact me. Contact the office through Maury. You don't need to leave any details about it. Just let us know that you'd like to make contact and you'd like a conversation and then we can see how we can explore moving forward. I've been chewing on this for a while. Like, what do we go in terms, where do we go in terms of exploring 
breaking the dam that, that can inhibit the flow of the Spirit in our lives to a degree. And I kept getting drawn back to the idea and the concept that Jesus presents to us of being like children. And it's really hard once you've grown up to think again like a child. It's just difficult. Now, we can all be childish. I mean, I can put my hand up on that one, right? We can all be childish. And in our worst moments, you think, oh, my days, did I really? But actually, Jesus encourages us to be childlike. If you've got a Bible on your phone or wherever, we're going to have a quick look here at Luke 18, 15, 16. And there's this situation. So Jesus is there. He's in amongst the people. It's where he loves to be. And some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But when the disciples saw it, they scolded the parents. No, 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 don't do that. But you've got this circumstance, right? So as the disciples are going, no, no, come on, no, don't bother him with that. You've got Jesus talking over the top of them going, hey, kids, come on, come to me. Verse 16. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples. So he talks over the top of them. No, guys, don't do Kids, come over here, come over here. And so the kids run to him. And then he speaks to the disciples, says, let the children come to me, don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. He breaks through the rationale and the cultural context for the disciples. He breaks that down and he says, no, actually it's the nature of the children that I want you to get. If you get that, you get one of the founding principles of access in the kingdom of God. It comes down to an ability to have a humble dependence and trust in God. It's realigning, reconfirming our thinking from where we get cultured by the world into a mindset where the kingdom of God cultures our mind that brings us back in dependence on another rather than independence. If you want to turn to Matthew 18 this time, it's nice that they're kind of almost parallel 18s. That's how my brain helps me remember. In Matthew 18, Jesus presents another scenario of children. And so the disciples come to him with a question. Who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven, they ask. Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. I remember saying to you a couple of weeks ago, it's like, I often read Matthew's version, it's like he brings the child in front of them and there's that little kid standing there like, ah, oh, my days, everybody's looking at me. This is a bit uncomfortable. I don't really like this. What's going on? And then actually Luke presents it differently and he says, and then he draws him to himself and then explains. So Jesus doesn't just leave the kid standing there in a circle of adults looking up going, ah. He like brings him to himself. Verse 3. 
Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. That's something, right? There's a little child, powerless, uneducated by virtue of age, no, no cultural, no sociological, no physiological power at all. And he says, when you become like this, you'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We go, oh man. What does that look like? If you roll back to Matthew 11, Jesus has expressed some truths to the disciples and the people and they've got it, right? They've got it. They've understood. And he says this, he prays. He says, oh Father... Lord of heaven and earth, this is Matthew eleven twenty five. Thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. There's something about the nature of God that bypasses what we construct in our world as a way of being as adults. There's something about the intimate relationship between God and his created people in the garden that we've utterly lost. Now Paul writes to the church in Corinth in the first book of Corinthians chapter 14 and he says this, Brothers, don't be like children in your thinking... Be infants with regard to evil, but in your thinking, be mature. So Jesus isn't saying, do you know what? Run around the room with your pants on your head and do what you like, because that's what it's like to be in the kingdom of heaven. He's not saying that. Okay, We've got some amazing photographs. I won't embarrass my children who are in the room, um, you know, of, you know, nappies and welly boots and, you know, just being in the garden and doing all sorts of stuff and, you know, <laughs> just last week that's right <laughs> so that's you know that's like but actually there is some liberty that we lose as we explore maturing in our cultures and it was amazing the other day when um Bless him, Simon Harris, who runs the opticians just on the corner here, agreed to meet with a Ukrainian family who's uh, refugees and their little daughter's glasses had gotten broken. And so we just organised to, to go and see them. And he's taking the glasses, much like mine, which are now glued, but he takes them and, and he's trying to show her all these pairs. And like money's not an issue, right? That's being covered. So what about these ones? What about those ones? What about these ones? And she picks on these pink ones. And her mum says, no, not having those. Picks a different pair and goes, you'll have these. Now, I don't understand what's going on because they're talking to each other in Ukrainian. But the lady who's supporting them, who lives in Stortford and speaks Ukrainian, says, let me just explain what's going on. This is a legacy from communism. You don't get what you want. You get what you're given and you learn to like it. 
You're nodding. You know the experience, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like that's culturally rooted. And we've got stuff in our culture in Britain which is about how you manage yourself as an adult, about self-sufficiency, about standing on your own two feet, about sorting your stuff out, about being independently capable so that the world around you can approve of you and therefore you can be included in the peculiar individualistic world that we all live in, right? So we have things that we have to deconstruct as we approach the kingdom of heaven. See, independence is never absolute independence, is it? Because we've always got to depend on something. And so we depend on ourselves rather than depending on another. Or we depend on the world at large rather than depending on God. And my word, look at what COVID did to that, right? And so this dependency isn't a question of will I, won't I? I already do. I already depend on something or someone. The question is whether that dependence is appropriately placed on the right person. Through the gospel, Jesus presents multiple scenarios where he's explaining that he wants us to shift our dependency from being self-sufficient to being wildly dependent on him. Phrases like, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I see my father saying sets the absolute pinnacle of the framework within which Jesus operates in the earth. I'm wildly and joyfully dependent upon my Father for all things. He gives me everything I need and I can absolutely trust him in it. And yet he goes to the cross. He endures scorn. He endures rejection by the culture. But he knows within the difficulties, at the very core, the Father has him. It's an interesting phrase in caring for others, which is that we want to avoid the lesson of learned helplessness. We don't want to engender in people this concept that, and to reinforce the fact that they can't do it and they need somebody else to help them. And so we don't want to create scenarios of learned helplessness. I would say to you that that isn't the kingdom of heaven. It's not the kingdom of heaven. In childlikeness, we approach Jesus and we say, you've said, therefore, I'll believe you. It 
deconstructs the schemes of how the world works in our minds. It deconstructs those and it represents them with the correct hierarchy of authority. You say, therefore, I'll believe you. And I'll walk in that. The challenge otherwise is that we say, Jesus, I hear you, but actually I'm not going to participate in or act out on the basis of your words what you say to me in my life. And that ends up like practical atheism. I'll believe in you, but I'll park that over there. I need to get on with the rest of my life and I've just got to sort my stuff because I'm responsible for me. I'm not talking irresponsibility. It's not about being childish because Paul talks about us being mature in Christ and growing in maturity. But it's about our lives being rooted and found and established upon his person, his presence, his word. That's the foundation, the simplest analogy of the house built on the sand or the house built on the rock. I just want to roll through some scriptures and I just want to ask you, just take, ask the Holy Spirit as I say them, as you see them on the screen. Does this just bounce off? Or can it land? Can I trust you for this? Hebrews 13.5 I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Associated with that, I've thought of John 10.10 10, The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. What does that look like? What part of the locker or what part of the safe of our souls needs to be unlocked by the Spirit to gain access into that place of believing? What's happened that's caused that door to be shut because you need to protect because of the pain that occurred? Just invite him in. You're not forsaken. And he's come for you to have life to the full. That's where your soul is at rest, in trusting him. Cast, it's literally like throw off, throw it off, throw all of it off onto him. What a picture. Imagine Jesus standing in front of you and you just literally take your stuff and you just throw it onto him. Wow. He cares for you. He wants to carry that stuff for you. He'll destroy what needs to be destroyed. And he'll give you the life 
you long for. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. What's pushing in, encroaching? Or actually, what is in the midst of the difficulty? What's it like to look at him? Or are you finding that super hard, but actually you're trying to do it on your own? It puts us in community. It puts us in relationship so that we can minister to one another. So we would know his grace. When the voices crowd in and they become so damn loud that we can't hear ourselves think, when we're in community with another, their voice can pierce and bring the truth that's needed. But a lot of our world says you're to do it on your own. Be self-sufficient, achieve, perform, success equates to this. It's what it looks like. It says no. The greatest of these in the kingdom of heaven is like a child who's wholly dependent. Wholly dependent on Christ, wholly dependent on the community of God. We're together. Have you just got stuff going on, right? I've just got things I've got to think about, things I've got to do, things I've got to explore and decisions that have to be made. Bring him into the centre of it. Become dependent on him for the answers. Now there's that, 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 that verse, isn't it? You know, that his understanding is so much greater than ours. Don't rest on our own understanding. But then straight after that, it talks about all the mercy and the goodness and the grace of God. That his thoughts are so much higher than ours. But actually, he's got the answers that you need. He'll bring you the answers. Just draw him into the center of it. Bring him into the center of your circumstances. John 8, 12. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's what he does. When you're confounded like you would be in a completely pitch black room. He brings light. He brings clarity. You can see it for what it is in the light of who he is. And what seems to be like pushing in and you can't get hold of it and you don't, can't, can't create a shape of it, you don't know what to do with it, he just illuminates the whole thing, brings clarity and understanding. It's like, Where does your help come from? Where does it come from? 
John 15, 5. Yes, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. What's the next sentence? For apart from me, you can do nothing. But we don't do learned helplessness, right? We do, I've got this. I can make it happen. I can sort my stuff. If only I think about it differently. If only I apply this methodology. And these things have strengths to themselves, right? They do have some strengths. But Jesus consistently, through all of his teaching, just goes, me, 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 me. Bring me into the centre. Bring me into the midst of it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Come to me and drink. You who are heavy laden and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Me, 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 me. And we say that in the negative, don't we? Like, yeah, just all about yourself. Me, me, me. And Jesus said, yeah, absolutely, rightly so. It's all about me. It's all about him. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 42, 1, cries out, like the deer pants for streams of water. I thirst for you. I long for you. I desire you above all things. It's you that I want. Have you stopped at salvation? Have you trusted him for your eternal destination? But have you stopped there? There's this thing about God that he likes to be in all things. And the big chasm that exists between us and him is the breakdown of that relationship. We've got, I've got this. It's all right. I've got this, God. Don't worry. I've got it. It's all good. And he's like, you haven't got a clue. (laughs) We encourage stepping out in God. We encourage seeking the gifts in God. We encourage courage and, and, and doing stuff with him, right? But at the end of the day, what breaks through is us having a heart that's like a child. You see, childlikeness establishes the spirit and the style by which your authority is expressed about God's kingdom in the world. That's where it comes from. As an agent of God's power, your authority is expressed through your childlikeness through your absolute dependence upon him. 
That's where it comes from. Do you want to see more? Not more slides, don't worry, there aren't any more slides. <laughs> Do you want to see more of who he is? Then he says, then become like little children. We want to see more of our world impacted. He says, become like little children. Be so dependent on me, holding my hand, looking at my face, drawing me into situation after situation, recognising the power is not of yourselves but is mine. Recognising I have answers. Recognising that you can trust me and that I am trustworthy with the most intimate things of your life but also the stepping out and the courageous steps.